Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Spiritual formation is often defined as a type of discipline that the practitioner or Christian involves themselves in for the purpose of attaining higher working knowledge of God, which then transforms the person's life for the better, where the rubber meets the road. Portland Seminary has this definition, quote, Christian spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and for the sake of others, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. And they continue, the focus of spiritual formation is the Holy Spirit who guides the ongoing journey towards union with God. The response is submission. Formation is an organic, lifelong, holistic process involving right thinking, which is orthodoxy, right behaviors, orthopraxy, and right feelings, orthopathy, of individuals and communities, unquote. Now, again, this is merely their definition, which they kind of summarize like this, quote, Spiritual formation focuses on the deepening of one's relationship with God, unquote. And this is accomplished through various disciplines adopted and utilized by the follower of Jesus. Now, Portland Seminary further breaks it down by explaining the tools often used in the spiritual formation process. They say, quote, Spiritual disciplines are the tools and pathways of spiritual formation, practices such as labyrinth walking, contemplative prayer, and Lectio Divina, the traditional monastic practice of scriptural reading, meditation, and prayer are good, but they do not necessarily result in formation. Only the spirit can bring about spiritual formation, and our invitation is to consent to the journey, unquote. Now, in their second sentence, first of all, there's a lot of problems with that, but in their second sentence, note the words or phrases, labyrinth walking, contemplative prayer, and Lectio Divina. The last phrase is connected to Catholic monastic life, where the ritual, my word, of reading scripture, meditation, and prayer are put into deliberate practice. Notice they say it's good but only the spirit working in the life of the believer will result in true spiritual formation and an invitation to continue the journey. Another group, Berean Research, provides this definition of spiritual formation, quote, spiritual formation is the process of apparent spiritual development through engaging in a set of behaviors termed disciplines. Advocates believe these disciplines help shape the character of the practitioner into the likeness of Christ, unquote. Well, for those who adopt the practices and beliefs associated with spiritual formation, it is believed that without the disciplines associated with it, true growth cannot occur within the life of the believer. It contains an element of works, really, and I'll, I'll touch more on this in a, in a future article. But for now, Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline author, is a strong proponent of spiritual formation and has spent years pushing the subject. So much of what is spiritual formation sounds wonderfully spiritual and uplifting, but is it? Well, the main problem with spiritual formation, whether anyone wants to agree with this or not, is the idea that our spirituality is achieved through a process of techniques administered in union with the indwelling Holy Spirit and verified by our feelings. Please refer 
to the second quote above. Go back and listen to that. Or you can also look at the transcript to go over it again. Please note specifically where Portland Seminary states that the, quote, traditional practice of scriptural reading, meditation, and prayer are good, unquote, which implies that there is something better than just reading the word and praying to God. This is completely absurd if you stop to consider it, to think that reading the Bible is only good, but not really good enough. This de-emphasis on God's word is telling. How in the world would we know about God? Would we know who he is if he did not take the time to reveal himself to us through his written word? Yes, there were times historically where God revealed himself through dreams and words spoken by his anointed and appointed prophets before his word was ever written down. Today, there's a growing group of people within Christendom who yearn to know God better, and that's a very good thing. Unfortunately, they tend to relegate his word as less important than dreams and visions and emotions that are conjured up because of those things, and they believe God uses those things to inform his followers today, which is really a bad thing. Um, to believe that. As someone who spent a number of years within the charismatic movement during the 1970s, I can attest to the fact that today's spiritual formation is nothing more than the excesses of the charismatic movement with a new name and a slight twist. The charismatic movement itself has morphed into what today we call the New Apostolic Reformation or NAR which teaches, among other things, that God has raised up 500 or so authentic apostles today with the same authority as the original apostles, with Paul replacing Judas, and plenty of true prophets today. So the charismatic movement always has gone well beyond God's written word, emphasizing what God is saying in the present tense. And I vividly recall some of the things taught within the movement uh, when I was part of it. And more often than not, it involved a quote unquote new thing that God was getting ready to do that would result in global revival such as this world had never known. Well, I lost count of how many times I heard that over the number of years I was involved in it. And yet the scriptures seem to point out that as the end of the age approaches, not only will there not be global revival, but there will be the exact opposite, a nearly completed global rejection of God. And this will climax during the coming seven-year tribulation where hatred of God and his followers, his authentic believers, will be persecuted to the extreme, resulting in multitudes of martyrdoms, executions, because they believe in and truly follow the Lord in obedience to his word. Now, the charismatic movement, NAR, and whatever it evolves into, always caters to how a person feels. This is the subtlety of the error. This is exactly how Satan got Eve to sin, because without her realizing it, Satan had caused her to look to the way she felt about the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3. Eve changed God's word into a lie with her feelings. Now, whenever we resort to using our feelings to judge something, we often fail and fail miserably. And for more on this, I highly recommend a book by Dr. Harry Ironsides called Holiness, the False and the True, a biographical 
and biblical explanation. It's an excellent book. It's mainly divided into two parts. The first part is a testimony about his life in the holiness movement. And then the second part of the book is when he came out of it and then he biblically critiqued it. Spiritual formation relies heavily on how a person feels about their relationship with God. I can attest to that. When I was in the charismatic movement, that's what we did. It was always based on how we felt one day to the next. If they have genuinely good feelings, they will judge that they're on the correct path and all things are good with God and they'll continue to push forward. Bad feelings tell them to avoid that things aren't good. The disciplines used within spiritual formation are geared to our feelings and therefore our flesh. Now, four or five years ago, my wife and I deliberately chose to begin reading the Bible from uh, through completely from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. When we began, and I've admitted this before, the process seemed to me tedious and even somewhat boring. Now, over the years, I've noticed that as I've gained more knowledge of his word therefore of God himself and how God works in this world. I have a greater understanding, which translates to hopefully how I live my life. Now, because I am becoming more familiar with God's word, the Holy Spirit has more to do within me to correct, to guide, and to grant greater discernment. And that's because of my understanding of the word, my recollection of it, As I've read it, this occurs in the background, I hope, and is evidenced by others. That's what I hope. It doesn't come by walking a labyrinth or by doing what the Catholic monks do. It comes through the very pedestrian habit of reading his word and praying as we study it, which over time allows us to gain more of a foothold with the person and allows the Holy Spirit, to work to create more of the image of God, the Son, within us. And by the way, it's God, the Holy Spirit, who creates the image of God, the Son, within us. Satan prefers we avoid God's Word because it is truth, period. Now, I don't see in Scripture God pointing his followers to practices that are taken from monastic life or from the realm of emotionalism, for that matter. What I see instead are constant reminders to read and know his word and to learn what he expects from us. It's all there. We don't have to guess. It's in his word. Then we are to choose to deliberately obey his word. As we move out in faith to obey his word, we gain more of him. We become more solid in our faith. Satan tries to trick us into believing that our feelings need to corroborate or confirm our Christian life so that we can feel that we are, in fact, growing closer to him and being a better Christian. The problem is that feelings are completely unreliable. Satan knows how easy it is to trick fallen human beings into judging right or wrong by what we feel. It is a complete trap because Satan is a master at pitting our feelings against us without even realizing it. It's not to say that we should not have and express feelings 
It simply means that actual truth, not the way we feel about it, should guide our lives. Now, over the years, I've heard all sorts of things from other Christians about how they came to an important decision. The fact that many have told me that they have had dreams or experienced an emotional urge or something else reminds me of the days in the charismatic movement. And that's how I lived then. And it's embarrassing to remember now. And it's a constant warning for me as well. Yet we look at the books of Nehemiah and Ezra. Those two men did not go by how they felt at all. They read the scripture and wept because they knew neither they nor the people of Judah had followed God's laws. They felt remorse for not having done so and through repentance immediately sought a way to correct the problem. Now, if you'll take the time to read Nehemiah, you'll see, for instance, what he went through and uh, all of this to obey God's laws. It's incredible. And at times he got so angry at the people for their careless attitude about God's laws that he went around pulling out the men's beards, Nehemiah 13, 25. And we're not talking about legalism, by the way. We are talking about the fact that all Christians are to love God, proving it by obeying his truth, law, from the heart, because we want to, not because we have to. Listen to this, Nehemiah 13, 25. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. I'm not recommending we take Nehemiah's approach, but he was so concerned about people not following God's law that he wanted to shake them out of their complacency. The men had intermarried with women from outside of Israel, which was forbidden. I can appreciate Nehemiah's frustration, can't you? Now, it's so obvious, but so often hard to see truth because people spend so much time trying to wade through how they feel about something. If it's based on feelings, we do not need God's word. That's the reality. Spiritual formation encourages that attitude, feelings. Avoid spiritual formation at all costs. I want to thank you for joining me today. I've got more on spiritual formation coming up soon. There's quite a bit on the internet as well. But thanks for joining me. And until we meet again, I pray God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 